Welcome to the Daniel Artest Podcast. And today, got a special guest. Y'all know normally I do basketball stuff, but today we're just going to talk about investing, learning how to, you know, save our money and, um, you know, save our money for rainy days, take care of our families, because, you know, we're in this coronavirus situation, everybody being laid off. So we're just going to talk about, you know, situations on how we can invest our money with the top. On the show today, I have Prince Dykes from the Investor Show. How you doing today, man? I mean, I'm doing pretty good. I want to say thank you for having me. Definitely appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you because you are, um, you know, a busy man. So, you know, <laughs> I Get definitely had. Yeah, I definitely, I'm definitely glad that you know we have this time and this space to you know talk about, you know, money. Mm-hmm. Oh so, yeah, definitely. I am. I'm a a, a beginning investor. You know, mm-hmm. I'm still trying to learn how to how to um invest, how to, you know, work the stocks and everything. So as a beginning investor like myself with no knowledge of investing, how do you suggest I start? Okay, with you, with yourself, and for anybody that's out there that says, hey, what do I start investing? You know, it seems to be so convoluted. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is if you have a job, first look into your 401k. If you're working, you have a job, hey, look into a 401k. So let's say if you're the person that says, hey, uh, I looked into my 401k. I'm already invested into my 401k. Or let's say if I, I don't have a traditional job, so I'm not offered a, full, a regular 401k. Then I will look into the other two ways you can really start investing is you can start one by looking at IRAs, individual retirement accounts, right? So the, the thing about the thing about the reason why you want to use individual retirement accounts because of tax advantages, because you have advantages of your tax, your money being able to grow tax-free. So you have an IRA, and then if you don't want to do an IRA or whatnot, because IRA, you can't pull out a touch of money penalty-free until you're 59 and a half. If you don't want any of those type of constraints, then you have to look into something like a brokerage account. So, um, so right there, you have a brokerage account, an IRA, and your own individual 401k. So let's say you say, hey, Prince, I'm really not in the stocks or whatnot. I want to get into something else. To make the world of investing simple, you pretty much only have four ways to invest. One, business. Two, um, real estate. Three, stocks. Four, um, yourself. So you can invest in yourself, business, real estate, stocks. That's pretty much it. If you know something else out there, please let me know about it. But that should make it pretty easy for you to get started. All right. That's what's up. That's what's up. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of people in, you know, in this country that's living check to check, mm-hmm. you know, everybody got bills, you know, child support, everything like that. So how would you suggest a person living check to check to invest, you know, versus someone who's more financially stable? Mm-hmm. Yes. Getting, you know, get into the world of investing first. That's you got to get You got to get away from surviving and people yeah. who are investing are people who, who are trying to thrive. Right. So, so many people are like, man, I'm just trying to survive, man. You know, and that's what I grew up around. So many people trying to survive. They haven't even gotten to the world of uh, thriving yet. So the first thing is you got to come up with a budget. I don't know what it is, but you got to sit down. You got to come up with a budget. You got to see how much money is coming in, how much money is going out. Ninety five percent of Americans don't quote me exactly on that. But let's say a large majority of Americans have never sat down and created a budget. Right. They're saying, hey, we, we need kind of live in check to check. Um, you know, I pay this when I get a chance. I pay this when I get a chance. But you really have to sit down and say, I owe this much in child support. I owe this much to school. I pay for this. I pay for that. And you'll be surprised 
to say you you realize how much money you how much of your money is missing because now you will know if you are in a deficit meaning that you're not making enough money or you're just wasting money and if you're not making enough money now you can figure out ways to if you're not making enough money if you got more money going out and coming in there's only two things you can do either you can stop what's going out or you can increase what's going in that's it you know you're saying hey well i can't afford this either i can cut these things or i need to find more money now once you have your budget once you have your budget down packed, now you got to look at any outstanding debt you have because you don't want to have a credit card that's you got 20 you owe $20,000 on a credit card and the credit card is charging you 15% interest but you're over here trying to invest at the same time. Yeah. If your investments makes 10% and your credit card makes 20%, you're spinning your wheels. So, first of all, you got to get everything under control. Hey, what do I owe? What are my bills every month and what are they and when are they due? On the, on the right-hand side, there you go. This is money that's going out. Yeah. On the left-hand side, this is my cash flow statement. Pretty much like, treat yourself like a corporation. My cash flow. This is how much money I got coming in. This is how much money I got going out. Now, do I even have any extra money to go somewhere? No, I don't. So it's only two things. I need to make more money or I need to cut back on some of these different types of expenses. So that's the personal finance piece that has to be taken care of first before you even can think about investing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I know a lot of people have, have uh, trouble with, you know, trying to, you know, save money and, and get, and get their finances in order. That's, that's, that's definitely interesting. And I hope a lot of people take that advice that you just laid out, you know, um, there's a lot of people that also that never dealt with stocks, you know, so mm-hmm. how can, how you break it down to me and the listeners mm-hmm. like me so I can better understand. Okay. So look, you look at it this way. Stocks are just essentially, you're giving somebody your money and hoping they make money. They do well in the future so you can make money and the value of it grows. That's pretty much the end of it every day. It's just that if you, when you buy a Walmart stock or a Target stock or whatever, you're giving your money to a corporation, hoping that corporation can do better in the future to make you money. That, that's it. It's just a vehicle to pretty much make you more money. Because when you look at the whole world of investing, you the only reason why you invest because you got to beat or keep up with inflation. Inflation is going at three percent a year on average, right? Yes. So you you can't looking at our savings account, our checkings account, that's not going to get us three percent. So you have to move to something to get to um you have to move to something to be able to get you three percent or over. The simplest way you can get into investing, you don't have to be a genius at all. Ninety some ninety-two percent of the people on Wall Street doesn't can't even beat the index. So you can go in and invest into the S&P 500 via index fund. And by buying that one index fund, you're getting a piece of the entire market. So right there, right now, you're like, man, I don't know anything about investing. What can I do? Boom. If I buy the S&P 500, I got the top 500 companies in America. And some people just buy that thing over and over and over and over. Then you can elevate and say, well, you know what? I know a little bit more. Well, what about Microsoft? Well, what about Apple? What about a Google? Uh, What about Walmart, who's doing very well right now? Zoom, who's doing very well right now? Facebook, you know, all these companies that are benefiting from the coronavirus. I mean, the coronavirus outbreak, I don't think I've seen the empty shelf in Walmart in quite a while, but now there are plenty empty shelves. So now you can position yourself to say, you know what? Let's take a look in the Costco's. So that could be a little simplistic way of looking at the world of uh, stocks. Yeah, you're right about that. You're definitely right about that. So um, for the average person, what type of investments are available to the average person? 
Okay. So first, if you first you have stocks, right? So and the reason why I say stocks is because it's cheap. You know, somebody with five hundred dollars, they can start investing. If they want to go into business, you and I would know, you know, business, you might need a little bit more than five hundred dollars. Or you may need a little bit more than uh five hundred dollars to get into real estate. But with five hundred dollars in uh stocks, you can buy a couple pretty good companies out there. So yes. first I always tell people start within your circle of competency. What do you know very well? more than other people. Like in your case, you may know basketball, you may know sports better than anybody else, right? And there's there are businesses inside of the sports arena. So you may know, okay, well, Disney owns ESPN. So I know that Disney owns ESPN. Let me start to look into Disney or whatnot. Or hey, I work in retail. You know, I've been working in retail for a long time. You may want to look into retail. You've been working in restaurants or the airline, so on and so on. So start with uh, industry or a place that you know very, very well and start to say, well, you know what? I, you know, I like Costco's. I know that pretty well. I like Coca-Cola. I know that pretty well. And you can start to look at yourself and um, make yourself a way to uh, start investing. Mm. So, okay, that that's, I'm, I'm learning a lot. I'm getting schooled right now, man. <laughs> class, class is definitely in session. And I hope to my listeners, man, y'all taking this good advice, you know, okay. um, Moving on. I know what risk tolerance is, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that's like what risk you're willing to take, how much you're willing to stomach as far mm-hmm. as like, you know, investing or whatever. I, I use that, you know, with in life pretty much, you know. Mm-hmm. So but I want to know is, in your opinion, why is risk tolerance important and how can one figure out what their uh, risk tolerance is? OK, well, I look at risk tolerance is like three levels. You're high risk, low risk, medium risk. I like to call it people say conservative conservative high risk, medium risk, right? When you're looking at, uh, you have to ask yourself, what are you stomaching to lose? Or, hey, are you willing to, with my investment, I'm willing to lose it all. Or, hey, I'm willing to take a little bit of risk to get some growth. Or if you're somebody that says no. So one of the ways you can figure out what your risk tolerance is, you got to figure out what is your time horizon. And what I mean by time horizon, if you have a 17-year-old daughter that you're investing for to go to school next month, Buying a bunch of stocks is probably not the way to go. You might want to look into a CD or a bond. But if you're someone who has a time horizon, man, I'm just looking to get some money for 20 years from now, you can take a little bit more risk. So looking at somebody's time horizon, like my son, he's nine years old. So he's probably not going to be needing any money for the next decade, right? So my risk tolerance is way higher for him versus, let's say me, for example, I'm looking to buy a house in October. I'm not going to go out here and buy a bunch of Walmart stocks and I know I need that money in October to make a down payment on a house. What I'm going to do with that money, I'm probably going to put it into a savings account, maybe a CD, maybe something like that. So knowing how much time you have can help you kind of gauge what risk you can kind of look at. And then it goes down to your personality. Some people don't care how much time they got. They ain't trying to lose it all. They don't like to gamble. So they have to have used different investments. But using your time horizon, they know how you are personally you can, uh, what you call it. Now, here's a question that nobody ever asked this question. I'm going to ask this question, right? Okay. How much money do you need to retire? Oh, that's a good question. I want to say you need about. <laughs> see, see, but it's different for everybody, right? Hmm. It's different. Some people, they want to make a million dollars a year. Some people like, hey, I just need 50000 a year. Some people cool with 40000 a year. So the first thing is you got to find out what is your number. So it's just like, um, where are you located right now? You're in North Carolina, right? 
No, I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. Char- yeah, Charleston, South Carolina. So if you was trying to go to L.A., the first thing is you know you want to get to L.A. You know you need to get there by Tuesday. So now you can map out how you need to get there. I'm looking to drive. I'm looking to, you know what? I can take a car to get over there. So how that comes down to finances, you have to ask yourself, okay, well, I want to work until I'm 50 years old and I want to bring in $50,000 a year. So if you know you want to work until you're 50 years old and you want to bring in $50,000 a year, a financial, a financial professor can tell you, hey, when do you plan on dying? I plan on living to 85 years old. I want to retire at the age of 50, you know, or whatever. And now somebody can sit down and tell you, hey, in order to get to this, you need to be investing this much money. and You need to earn this return on investment. So now you know, hey, I need to invest $500 a month for the next 30 years, and I need to earn 7% return on investment. That can shape everything on your risk tolerance. Mm. You're like, hey, I don't need to take that much risk, you know. Let's say if you played in the NBA and you had $10 million, right? Yeah. And you're like, hey, I want to get paid for the rest of my life. You're like, hey, what I need to go out here and buy some crazy stock or whatnot, I can just put this into a bond and live off the interest forever, right? So knowing your number, I always tell people, figure out what that number is. Sit down with a professional. There's so many apps out there, uh, retirement calculators to say, hey, I want to make this much money. I want to retire by this time. Then somebody, you can figure out, you know what? I need to be investing $300 a month into the age I'm 50 so I can live off this for the rest of my life. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, because I guess when you ask me the number, I guess mm-hmm. the number depends on what you what you want to do once you retire. So, like, if you feel like I'm 37, so if I feel like, hey, when I retire 30 years from now, I want to live in L.A., but the cost of living is higher. Mm-hmm. You know, if I want to live in San Francisco, the cost of living is even astronomically higher. You know, New York is higher. But if I want to stay in the South, I can pretty much judge on where – I would want to live like you're in Hawaii, right? Oh no, I'm in Denver, Colorado, right? You're now. in Denver. Oh, you're in Denver, but you used to be in Hawaii. So, yeah, say, like for example, if I wanted mm-hmm. to retire in Hawaii, you you better, <laughs> you know, you better, you better really have a nice nest egg, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I definitely. So, and it depends that. on what type of quality lifestyle you want to live. Do you just want to sit on the front porch and just chill, or are you somebody that want to go on vacation every other week? What type of lifestyle you want? So that number will fluctuate. But growing up. I didn't know anybody that had a financial advisor. I didn't know anybody that had a therapist. That was just, you know, at best, you knew somebody that did taxes. So I always tell people, hey, just like I would go to a mechanic to fix my car, I would go to a barber to cut my hair. Sit down one time with a financial advisor at least to say, hey, what is, uh, you know, I wanna, I'm 37 years old now. I want to work until I'm about 50, 55 years old. What, what number does that mean? And you can realize that, man, I'm closer to this number or I'm farther away than this number than I realized. And then once a person knows what their number is and they know how much time they had to get there, they can now dictate what type of vehicle they're going to need to get there. Yeah, that's true. That's, yeah. See, I'm, I'm, I'm learning, man. I'm just – See? Because you might, you might realize, like, you know what? You don't really need stocks. You can just buy some bonds, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if, if your bonds earn 3% every year, your goal is to make 3% every year, you can retire at the age of 55 and make – Forty thousand dollars, fifty thousand, whatever it is, and you know, in your retirement. But it depends on the person. But you got to know where you're going. You know, you got to know where you where you're trying to go. Exactly, exactly, definitely got to know where I'm going. So yeah, I'm in class. I'm in class today, man. I'm in class today, <laughs> definitely. So um, what's the easiest way mm-hmm. to invest a thousand dollars? Like, 
Yeah, a thousand mile is the easiest way. You know, I'm not going to get into oh, if you got debt, trying to give a whole financial picture. Let's say if all your finances are good to go and you got a thousand dollars and you're looking to get into the market, right? You're looking to invest. So when I look at a business, it's not too many. You know, well, if you if you want to get into a business, maybe you can buy a camera and become a photographer. I know that's one thing you could do. That might be enough to get you a used camera and maybe a website or something like that or whatnot. Maybe you can become a photographer if you want to get into the business realm. With real estate, it ain't too much you're gonna do with a thousand dollars, right? Yeah. There are there are some pieces of land out there that you can buy for like five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred dollars, because you know there there's land in the middle of Colorado, Nebraska that you could acquire if you was a a land person. That's the only thing I could think of in real estate. Now with stocks, the first thing I'm going to look at and say, if you're 37 years old, I'm going to say, hey, for you to take a thousand dollars and then go pick a bunch of random stocks and be correct on them is pretty slim to none right? So I'm going to say, hey, you can't beat the market, join the market. So I'm going to tell that person, hey, look, don't put all your money in right now. Invest a little bit now. Buy an index fund for $200 a month. Now you can set aside 60% of your portfolio is going to go to the index. So that $600 is gone to the S&P 500. Now you got $400 left over. Now with that $400, you're like, you know what? I want to make my investment a little bit more riskier, right? And you may pick let me get some Microsoft because I think it's on sale right now. Let me get some Apple because I think it's on sale right now. And those are technology stocks and those are growth stocks. So being into the index and maybe having some individual uh, stocks, that would probably be my way that I would probably look at $1,000. Okay. Okay, cool. That's Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, um, you know, I always was brought up either in life or when I was playing basketball that there's no such thing as a dumb question. <laughs> so I'm going to ask this oh, one. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's crazy, <laughs> but um, are there any like worst months, any best months, maybe best days to invest or is that a myth? It's historically people say that the stock market gets hot in the summer and it cools off in the winter. So yeah. they say that uh, in the winter, that's when you plow the ground and plant and get ready for the summertime. And summer is when you sell, the winter is when you buy, right? That's kind of the thing of what the market usually says. But right now, looking at the sentiment of the coronavirus, I would say the summertime is probably going to bring us a great opportunity to buy. Uh, the reason why I say that, tomorrow, just tomorrow, we're going to get a new unemployment numbers, right? So you've seen all these businesses shut down. Tomorrow, we're going to get unemployment numbers. And come April 15th, we're going to see April 16th, we're going to see building permits. Why are building permits important? The building permit report is important because before a company can build, they must first get a building permit. So now if I see a decrease in building permits, that means that people are probably not building as many houses. If they're not building that many houses, that means they're probably not going to sell that many houses. If they're not going to sell that many houses and the demand is going to drop with unemployment, that means housing market could be falling. Now the second thing that's going to happen in April, the corporate earning reports every quarter, that's a good thing about investing in the stocks because when you invest in the regular people, there's no transparency. You gave your buddy some money to start a, a league and you don't know where the money went. He don't know where the money went. You know, the money went over here and you got to chase him and run him down. But every quarter, I'm going to get financials on Apple. Every quarter, I'm going to get financials on Microsoft. Every quarter, I'm going to get financials on Google. So that's what I love about the transparency of big corporate companies. So what I'm saying is that in April, April to May, this is going to start what we know as the earnings season. All the corporations are going to report their earning reports. And I think we're really going to be able to see the effect of the coronavirus with the unemployment numbers and the corporate earning numbers. 
people not working, I think that uh, the market could see a downturn, right, and could bring in a lot of opportunities. The classic word of investment, buying low and selling high. Well, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, cool. So, all right, so I guess you could just, you know, pick and choose whenever you feel like you want to get into it. Yeah, I would say right now, I would say just because of what's going on, we're in a bear market, meaning that the market is going down. So I would say the summertime. I would think this summertime around about, because everybody knows April is shut down. Everybody knows April is, you know, is a no-go. But everybody's skeptical about May. If this thing goes into May and June with unemployment numbers are running up, you know, because, you know, if people are not making money, people are not going to movies, people are not eating out, you know, the economy kind of stagnates. And then now the market doesn't trade off of what's happening today. It's, it trades off of what's happening in the future. Mm. So if we are shut down for May as well, that means that Apple is not going to make money. Apple got all your stores closed. If your stores are closed, you're not selling phones. If you're not selling phones, that means you can't be at the stores are closed and you're not hiring people. So, I mean, you probably laid off some people or you fired some people. So um, I think that for right now, knowing today, the summertime, I think will be a great opportunity for new investors to start getting investing. And if you're someone who's looking to invest, save your money, build a watch list. Mm, interesting. That's definitely interesting. So um, in your opinion, what what books are good to read for, for the beginners in um, investing? Okay, for the beginners coming into the world of investing, I like Seven Ways to Master Your Money by Tony Robbins. You know, of course, I got to go to Warren Buffett, uh, the intelligent investor. Um, I like, uh, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because it helps change your mental. Um, beginning Investor, another one, my, my most recent book that I finished, Unstoppable Prosperity by Charles Payne of Fox Business. He put out a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty solid book. Uh, that was my last read. But uh, those books there are good ones. Um, I have some, I, I probably got like four or five books in front of me now that are, I'm going to get into. Okay. But the one I love now is more of an advanced book, but I will say for the beginner, you have uh, Charles Payne, Unstoppable Prosperity, the one I just finished. You have an intelligent investor. You have seven ways to master your money. And I got to give you a rich dad, poor dad. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I've heard of rich dad, poor dad. I never, um, I never read it, but I, I definitely heard of it. I heard it's a, a really good book to, um, to really get into yeah it kind of helps change your philosophy it's, it's about a, pretty much like a child that girl grows up and his dad is the poor dad and he kind of he compares himself to the next door neighbor who's the rich dad so his dad is the poor dad but the next door neighbor kid is the rich dad and he kind of talks about their philosophies and a lot of times you see yourself inside of the book but it helps change the mental because a lot of us didn't come from money or grew up around money or whatever so we don't know how to act so you know it you got to change the mental. Yeah, we yeah we most definitely do. So I got another question to ask you about franchises, like, you know, the McDonald's, the Burger Kings and everything, you know, those fast food or anything, maybe even supermarkets or whatever. Are franchises are a good investment? I mean, I tell your brother this all the time. I'm like, man, as much money as y'all make, man, in the NBA, y'all should be having about five or six McDonald's. And this is why I say yes, Right. I say yes to uh, my next business venture will probably be buying a business, right? And the reason why, when you buy a franchise, I have more analytical data. Like, I, you know, I know a football player. I'm not going to say his name, but, uh, you know, he brought his mom a soul food restaurant. Great on him. Great you brought your mom a soul food restaurant. But when you walk, when you go in and buy a soul food restaurant, you got to decide what's on the menu, 
what the time of the day, the marketing, what's going to be on the uniforms, what you're going to sell, what doesn't work, how big the menu is going to be, the location, all of that. But when I walk in a franchise, I have a lot of historical data. I can already, they're going to, if I want to, I would say, my advice to him was, you should have got your mom a Popeye's, right? Uh, because if you would have got her a Popeye's, all that is laid out. They're going to tell you how much money you're going to make, how much money you're going to lose. Uh, they're going to tell you where to be located at, what works in marketing. You're buying into a system that's already proven. It would be like if I was coordinated to basketball, you're going to Phil Jackson's triangle offense that's already been proven versus going out there trying to create your own scheme. You know, you're like, hey, this obviously this works, this wins. I buy into the system. All I got to do is go on, learn how to fry the chicken, know what's on the menu. They're going to do the marketing. We know exactly what works and trying to go forward with that. So me, I'm more, uh, you know, being an analytical person that I am by nature. When if, if you, if a person, if you had two people come to you, you got your buddy saying, Hey, invest into my new restaurant and it's going to be a bar and a grill. Right. Versus you got B. Somebody says, Hey, you can purchase the Applebee's, you know, which your buddy, you don't know if they can do it. Do they have the liquor license? Do they know the location? Do they have all the food license? Do they know what's going to be on the menu? You know, they, and then you haven't gotten into how much money you're going to spend on marketing, marketing, marketing to get that business to even have a chance of taking off. Versus with the Applebee's, I got so many historics. I can talk to other Applebee's owners. I can see the Applebee's that have failed. I can see the ones that have done good. And I can make a better decision for something that's already established. Mm, interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I would I would definitely invest in a lot of, you know, franchises like those fast foods, man, if I was if I if I was um, you know, financially able to, you know, like definitely you was right. You think that, you know, Ron and a lot of other players would definitely invest in these these franchises, especially you know, they got healthy ones too, like Veggie Grill, you know. Yeah. They don't want to, you know, if they don't want to, you know, feed more, you know, feed the bad food out. Because, you know, fast food is normally bad. You know, they got the veggie girl. They got a bunch of healthy other, uh, other healthy spots to invest their money in. And he, like you said, they got the historical data. You know what you're going to get. Every time you go into the store, it's going to be the same thing. You know, sometimes it'll change for a season or two or whatever. But, mm-hmm. yeah, for the most part, I think that probably Marketing's already done. The system is all you got to do is just show up and play. That's you know, they're going to tell you, hey, you need to hire this many people. This is how much money you're going to spend on payroll. You probably see a, like a Jimmy John's. I don't know if you're familiar with Jimmy John's, but oh, like yeah. a Jimmy John's. Like you could just easily pop it up. They know how much it's going to cost. A Subway. The Subway is like one of the most cheapest franchises out there. Hmm. So you know exactly. Like think about it. If I had to go create print subs versus a Subway, I want to go with the regular Subway because I got to find the meat where the food's going to come from, the inventory, but everything is already done if I get into a franchise. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm learning a lot today. I'm really learning a lot today. So got another question I want to ask you about um, what age you should start teaching your kids investments. You know, I have four kids. I have four boys myself. I know you have a son and I know that you, you have a book. I know you're going to go into that too. So I just wanted to know like what age is, um, you know, appropriate to teach him i think that uh you know you starting off you know it's like my son he's nine years old he don't grasp everything i say right he knows what i say but he doesn't grasp everything but it's fine it's just that these topics have to be the financial industry is so geared towards credit repair fixing what's broke showing you how to do this or whatnot right yeah but what i like to do is saying hey if you introduce these topics at a young age 
you don't have to go into investing, right? You don't have to know what investing is. You don't have to know what credit is. But I think it's a crime shame that you are at 37, 40 years old trying to figure out what investing is. I think that you shouldn't be sold products. You should buy products. And what the difference is being sold products, you have to go in there and somebody has to tell you, man, look, you need some insurance. You got to get insurance. And, you know, so you, you're like, all right, I, I guess I'll get some, right? But I think that's the crime shame, knowing that no matter if, you're, if, if your boys become going to the NBA, no matter if they become a stockbroker, no matter what they do in the world, they will have to be introduced into the world of investing. They will deal with credit and they're going to need some insurance. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So we know that, well, to the listeners that don't know, you write books and you yeah. actually have children's books. You know, uh-huh. Wesley learns um, books that you got, whether Wesley's learns to invest, Wesley's learns the stocks and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, basically your books, you know, follows Wesley and his, and I'll give you, you know, what you say. It follows Wesley and his dad through a financial journey from discovering what is, what the stock market is to choosing the right stocks, making a purchase and receiving a dividend check, you know? And um, so what made you get into that side of, um, you know, the world, you know, becoming an author too and publishing books? Well, what happened was, you know, I started with, you know, the investor show back in 2013 to be exact. And, uh, you know, I'm actually due to military. I've been in the military now coming up on 17 years, but it was a time where I was getting ready to deploy and I had built up a little following and I said, man, you know, I need to create a product, you know, for a while I'm gone. So when I was scavenging the, the, the financial industry to create a product, I said, you know, in the world of finance, everything is geared towards, uh, you know, everything is geared towards adults, adults, adults. So I said, the only thing that's geared for children is like, you know, save a penny, piggy bank, put the money in the piggy bank. That's it, right? Yeah. I said, what if I gave them some real life adult lessons but broke it down into a kid way? And I said, what if, you know, a story that followed, you know, I just came with the idea like, hey, what about Wesley? You know, he learns to invest. Now, I didn't, I didn't have the envision of a series. I thought like, oh, Wesley learns to invest. That'll be it, right? And I thought, you know, what about an investment book for children, introducing them to the concept of investing at a young age? And that's that's what, and I just used my son's name, which is my middle name, Wesley, and okay. just Wesley, you know, Wesley learns to invest. Then it went to Wesley learns about credit. Then it was Wesley learns about insurance, so. Yeah, that was a, amazing books, man. Definitely gotta get those books for the kids to read. So, you know, so they could learn how to do it, man. You know, um. I know that me and, um, you know, as a parent wants to, you know, have my son, you know, learn the, um, you know, the, the business, you know, learn the trade of investing and stuff, you know, let them get them, get them that knowledge early. Cause I didn't get that knowledge, you know, obviously that's why we're having this, we're having this show right now, you know what exactly. I'm saying? So, you know, and then, you know, I was playing basketball my entire life. My mind was just geared on one thing. I wasn't even geared on post basketball to be honest, you know? So it's good now that I'm, I'm actually learning late but you know now i know what to apply you know into my life right now man but i want to thank you for coming on the show today you know i really appreciate it that you came in and that you you know took time out your day to, to join the show so normally what i do is i always ask you know the guests to you know let you know the people know how they can find you on social media okay well well, well, thank you for having me definitely i'm grateful for being on your show and uh thanks to you know your brother you know when I met him, I think it was like four years ago or whatnot or whatever. And like I was telling you, he gave me my first ever interview at uh, Berkshire Hathaway. So uh, I definitely appreciate that from him. But um, where to find me at, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. I'm on Facebook. You know, my name is Prince Dykes. You can see the Investor Show on Instagram. 
Uh, we podcast on all the podcast platforms. We're also on YouTube, The Investor Show. We're on Instagram, The Investor Show. And I'm on Twitter, but I don't really tweet like that. I don't, I, I can't really get into Twitter too crazy, but, you know, I'm on Twitter as well. So all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, The Investor Show, are just Prince Dykes. All right, and, you cool. know, you can catch a podcast on all the platforms. All right, cool. Yeah, I almost got one question, too. I'm glad you brought up Berkshire Hathaway. I can't let you go until you answer this. Like, you met Warren Buffett, you know what I mean? One of the, what, third richest man in the world. And, you know, I remember when we was going back and forth before, like, uh -huh. we was introducing each other. You know, you showed me, like, he signed the books. You at his house having dinner. You know, like you said, you met him at the event. Like, tell me, like, how is, how is, how, how was that, you know, meeting him? How did that help your life? So what ended up happening was Warren Buffett was, uh, you know, he's the greatest investor of all time. He's the, the richest investor of all time. 50% uh, of Bill Gates' portfolio is with Warren Buffett. I actually met Warren, I actually met Bill Gates before I met Warren Buffett. But I just met Bill Gates kind of like standing in line. But what ended up happening was he was the best that had done it. So I wanted to go study from the best. And it would just be like, you in basketball, you a big man, you probably – idolize Shaq or Kareem or whatever right and yeah. you probably study their moves and you watch what they do so the same thing with me as an investor coming up I said hey if they say this guy's the best I gotta find a way I just want to go listen to him and study up under him and uh, I reached out to his office and I ended up going to the first meeting and conducted interviews that's why I met uh, Ron at for the first time and I just kept hanging around. I was there for the, I met some people the first year. I came back the second year. I met some, some more people. They knew about my book to kind of, you know, my name started kind of going around a little bit. And uh, the third year I had my third book getting ready to come out. And one of the guys at the meeting, my third book has NFL Hall of Famer Terrell Davis out here for the Denver Broncos. He, he guest started my third book. So he met me uh, probably like two years ago. He liked the first two books, and I was writing the third one. He said, hey, Prince, I got to get in your next book. So I did that. And uh, one of the guys there said, hey, Prince, uh, before you leave, we want to have dinner with you, lunch with you. So me thinking nothing about it, I was just like, oh, okay, cool. So I go there, and I meet this guy for lunch, and we're talking about my books and whatnot. And he's telling – it's this lady that's there with us too. And this lady, he's telling this lady about me and like, hey, this is a guy I want to introduce you about. And you know, he podcasts, he does this or whatnot. And I thought the lady was probably like his auntie or maybe somebody that knew Buffett or whatnot. But long story to kind of find out, it was actually Miss Buffett. Wow. So, you know, <laughs> she didn't tell me this until the end of lunch, right? She didn't tell me until the end of lunch. She she finally came out. She, she just, because I think she thought I know who she was, but I, I had no idea. So I thought maybe she was somebody important because she kept saying, hey, I think Warren needs to, you know, you need to meet Warren and all the stuff like that or whatnot. And, and, uh, towards the end, she just said, Hey, by the way, you know, I'm Miss Buffett. And, uh, she told a guy, she asked the guy, she said, Hey, where's Warren at? And the guy got on the phone and she said, Hey, he, you know, he's over at the office right now. And she just said, Hey, come with me. And, and I said, okay. And I went with her and she took me up to his office and took me right in and just said, Hey, this guy wrote these three books. You, you need you need to meet him, you know. And uh, you know, Warren was just like, "Man, I could have used these when I was a kid." That's what he told me. <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm like, what?" He's like, "I could have used it when I was a kid." And uh, I think this is great. I think this is uh, awesome. And you know, he was asking for where Wesley was. He's like, "Where is Wesley?" And so, well, you know, he's in school. And 
he said, well, I want to give you, you know, gave me a tour of the office. He asked to keep, keep the books. Um, I told him he could have them, but he wrote letters in the books. I said, hey, Mr. Buffy, you know, those are my only copies. And since you wrote in them, I got to take them with me. But I will send you some, you know, see your own copy or whatnot. And he said, sure, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, he told me to bring my family. He wanted to meet my family and stuff like that or whatnot. And, uh, you know, gave me a tour of his office. And then he said, hey, if you're not busy, you, you know, you should join us for dinner. And I was just like, uh, yeah, I, I think my schedule is wide open. I think I, I think I think I think I can make that or whatnot. And uh, it was Mr. Buffett, Miss Buffett, a security guard, and Becky Quick from CNBC when we sat down and had din- uh, dinner. And it was four point, I think uh, this well, last year, lunch with him went for $4.5 million. Wow, that's, and you got it for free. It is, oh, yeah, yeah, he gave me that for free. Then here's the, the other cool part that I was telling you about. From the story I just told you, <laughs> He put the whole story in his book. Wow, that's awesome, man. He put the he wrote uh two pages of our meeting. Um, we know where we met, we had having dinner, me at his office, all of the good stuff. Man, that's awesome. So right there, you know, obviously <laughs> we're on a podcast, but we're also on Zoom, so I can see what you see. And uh, you know, the listener that's going to listen to it won't. Uh-huh. Like, how did that make you feel? Like, just knowing that you're in, a, you're in, a, you know, he wrote a, a two-page, you know, er- excerpt about you in his in his book. Like, how does that make you feel? Because I, I would be amazed. You know, like I, I know that that's crazy. Yeah, it was. And the thing about it, he said, "Hey, it was supposed to happen this year, but before the coronavirus happened, he mm-hmm. said, hey, I want you to.' He he put all my books into his bookstore, and." He said, I want you to come back and do, you know, a book signing next year, right? You know, at, at the bookstore or whatnot. And I had that lined up. I didn't tell anybody about it because, I, you know, it was way into May. Yeah. But um, it really, it was like, man, I got to be something in life now. I got to, like, I got to, like, I got to make this, you know, work. You know, I, I got to be something now. That was, like, the, the big thing for me was the most. And, and I would say it was very, very, very humbling. And they spoke about that when I met them, that it was going to put it in a book. But I thought, like, you know, whatever. I, I hear people say stuff all the time. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, this is my address. Send it to me. And a year later, it was on my porch. And I was like, you got to be grabbing me. So I don't even have to tell people the story. They can read it themselves. It's in his book. You know, they documented themselves, you know. But um, the thing about him was it just it really gave me first. It was very humble. Right. He was very humbling to meet him. The second thing was he uh, he helped me out a lot as far as letting me see what was achievable. You know, I had met the the top person in the industry. You know, you know went to went to dinner with him, lunch with him, was in his office. We, you know, drove his car. You know, all of other stuff like that, right? And the the whole idea was that it just let me know that hey, you're doing something right. Stay on this path. Uh, you know, and that was pretty much it. Just very inspiring. Very, yeah. very inspiring. Yeah, man. Thanks for sharing that story. That's amazing, man. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like I said, you know, thank you for coming on to the show. Oh, and, yeah. you know, I really appreciate you, man. To everybody that's listening, man, go follow us, man, at The Investor Show. You know, go to YouTube page. You know, go to Facebook, find them, uh, Prince Dykes and, as well. So, you know, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter mm-hmm. at Daniel Artest Pod. I'm on Facebook, too, at The Daniel Artest Podcast. Until next time. You know, thanks for coming to the show, man. I appreciate it.
Hey, you be Thank safe. You.